Welcome, Jedi. We've been expecting you. You're listening to the Star Wars Exchange Podcast with your hosts, Mike and Ari. Your escape to that galaxy far, far away. Okay, shut that thing off and grab some seats. What is going on, everyone, and welcome back to the Star Wars Exchange for another Mandalorian after show. It's been a long week. We've had a lot going on with Star Wars Celebration. Mike and I have been covering all sorts of news on the podcast, doing live streams, very heavily active on Instagram, a lot going on. It's been a good week for Star Wars, but Mike, how are you going? How are you pulling up from Celebration London? Uh, It was quite the event. Yeah, definitely. I was on tours asleep for one day, and it was very interesting. I... So I would do anything for Star Wars, and uh, sometimes my sleep. Well, sometimes I don't care about it. Sometimes I do. One of those days, on the the weekend of, didn't, didn't really care. So I was a zombie for the next couple of days, but I still am. But uh, I'm I'm still thriving in the chaos of of all the news and and announcements. And it was just so fun doing the live streams with everyone and getting all of you guys to come in there and and experience it with us from the meltdown of the celebration announcement location to you know the the crazy ray reaction to you know our our viewing of the ahsoka trailer it was just it was just a lot of fun and there's a lot of you that became our friends during that weekend so Mm. well we weren't there at celebration shout out matt Matt. while we weren't there at celebration it kind of felt like we were like we had our own little celebration so it it was nice and uh Hopefully that becomes tradition around here. So when we're not able to go, so maybe maybe Japan mm-hmm. will be my, my the next live stream. But um, but we'll, we'll see. But yeah. Anyways, excited to talk about Mando. This is the penultimate episode. So yeah, I'm 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 just keen to talk about the what is left of, of season three of the Mandalorian. But how how you been going? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I echo what you say. It was a great weekend. Uh, uh, I'm I'm usually pretty pretty hectic with having a strict sleep schedule, and then London threw threw that all off for me. But no, it was worth it. It, it was a great fun, and and it did feel a little bit like we were there because when it was over, um, I, I don't know how you pulled up, but for me, I was really really uh just upset. I just was real real down bad, I suppose, as the kids are saying these days. Um, so so that next day was uh yeah a little bit depressing, but you know um that that's that post con the post-con blues, I suppose, <clears throat> but no, it was, it was a great, great weekend, but yeah, we're here to talk about Mando episode seven. Um, obviously me and Mike have a somewhat complicated relationship with the season so far. I've been, uh, pretty, uh, I want to say negative. I mean, I have been negative. I've been just quite crit- critical of the season so far. Um, this episode got very, very hyped up because a lot of people saw it in London celebration. Um, was it overhyped? Was it not? Maybe we'll talk about that here. But um, yeah, this was a, a fun episode. But Mike, what did you think of of episode seven, chapter 23? Yeah, definitely. I would say probably the best episode of, of season three. Like I watched it the first time and I was like, I liked it, but I don't know how much I liked it. And then the second time I just rewatched it today. And I'm like, yeah, okay, th- definitely this is the the best episode of, of the season. I, I thought there was actually substance in here, uh, which you really can't say about um, most of the episodes this season. But I was like, okay, there's substance here, and it's we're finally getting a move to Mandalore and stuff. What what seemed like it was already done, and with Din going to Mandalore, and I thought we all thought that was going to be his quest, but no, 
it was wrangling all these damn Mandalorians and getting them there. Even though it's like, why are you guys scared to go there? Like, no, you're telling me you guys are so devoted to your planet. You guys haven't. Then Dejarin had to be the first one back, um, which is just crazy. Which, I mean, main character energy while well, he had it, you know. But now it's like we're wrangling all the Mandalorians together to go to Mandalore. And once they land, they're like, what do we do now? We're here. It's like, yeah, they came with a semi-plant to take the planet. But it's like, who are you taking it back from? More, more, more alligators, more dragons, like... You know, it's really complicated. So, and as we see, the empire is there. But um, yeah, it's buffoonery all around. Um, but I I did really like the episode. Second time around, I'm like, okay, action sequences are cool. Love what love the action sequences with the jetpacks and stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. Feels a little bit more animated in, in a good way. Um, because I thought rebels and well, rebels the action sequences were a major step down from Clone Wars, but they were still good. Um, and then when they try to do live action stuff, the TV shows, you were surprised by my comment. Do you agree or disagree? I mean, I, I, I just will defend Rebels on every level. So it's not even worth having the conversation. But I, I don't think they were a step down, but valid opinion. It was it was a step down. That's fact, everybody. No, I mean, one of the one of the times I, I think of is the Sabine Darksaber episode, the one that follows it with Sabine's family and they have like a jetpack mm. war. And I'm just that's, like, oh. Yeah, if actually, Clone that, Wars did fair. this, compare that the lawless to that. I'm just like, yeah, the jetpack action was was greater Those, in Clone Wars, but that's okay. That's all right. I, I will say that's like the Mandal episodes at season four. That's a fair criticism, but I thought the jetpack action in Zero Hour was was really good. Oh yeah, yeah, the one. I mean, yeah, the one in space. Yeah, that that was pretty good. But um, yeah. but yeah, oh yeah, the I forgot about the premiere for season four. That was. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> so but still it was I thought it was it was fairly done just because especially the pirate attack that happened a couple weeks ago, that was some clunky action. So kind of appreciative here. Um but I don't know, like it just even though this is not the finale. Okay, so uh f- friend of the podcast, I guess, even though I, I don't think he'll ever be on is is Darth Deacon Aiden. <laughs> I was I was out today and he called me and he was like, what'd you think of it? I was like, man, this is what I told him. I said, like, it just feels like they took shortcuts in the season all season long. They just took shortcuts and to get here to the penultimate episode. He's like, well, this isn't the finale. I'm like, no, but I'm very scared to watch the finale because I don't think some things are going to land. I feel like this is testing the waters for the finale. And I I think a lot of these moments just feel so unfair earned and and moff gideon i know we'll talk about later but i'm like what are you doing here now like why all of a sudden are they showing you like they had this whole cool tease towards you and i thought we would really get to follow you and and see what i mean just it just feels like this show has ultimately undone a lot of things that the season two finale did and it's just so frustrating because we all thought that that was such a imagine if I mean, I don't know if it's comparable um, to any of the Rebels finales in terms of like, I mean, well, I kind of felt this from season two, Twilight of the Apprentice. It felt like, oh, my God, they're teasing this Ezra dark side thing. And then it was resolved like in the next few episodes of season three, one of the first. But there was still a lot and a lot of baggage from that that they carried on and they didn't undo, which I respect them for. There were still tons of threats like Kanan being blind and they explained. They explored the hell out of the storyline, which I loved. You know, it was like, man, it just gave K 
Kanan is like, yep, this is my first Star Wars character. So anyway, they they just like, they could have gone really heavy into some of these storylines that season two set up the finale, but they just unwinded everything. Like, no, let's hit the reset button. Let's recoil. It's like, for what? We had story we had movement um the same yeah. way people complained that the last jedi undoes force awakens which not at all no. i think the this is the major complaint here this is a great yeah. example of undoing real quick story i think there's three major things that it's undone just while we're talking about it number one didn't having the dark saber undone within the by the sixth episode moff gideon going to prison undone by the seventh episode Grogu and Mando being separated, undone in the book of Boba Fett before the season even started. <clears throat> I remember when <clears throat> Mando season two finished and we got that premiere. Those were the things everyone was talking about. Oh, I can't wait to see this. Can't wait to see Gideon in prison, like Hannibal Lecter style. I wonder how Din's going to deal with Grogu. And while we did get to see that, it wasn't even in the actual show. And then, you know, the, is Din going to rule uh, Mandalore with the dark saber? While, you know, the direction they've gone with that isn't... Uh, like they haven't completely just taken it away i mean they have in one sense um it's yeah it's just not really what they set up which was something we were looking forward to i think yeah exactly so i mean in all in all i very much enjoyed this episode it was kick butt action and all that and uh, a lot of the stuff i loved the music was great um but but man oh man it just feels like it just i should be excited and i should feel for the moments here um like then getting captured but i'm just like why do i care about a side character getting captured like yeah. why do why should i care um yeah so i don't mean to sound dying. yeah exactly or pass Vizsla. i'm like the only thing i felt for him in that moment was dude you have a kid that was it <laughs> that was it True. that was i honestly entire... forgot about that didn't think about it till you just brought it up <laughs> i mean even in in that episode like he was being such an idiot like fighting over a chess piece and i'm like oh, like he is just yeah. incarnate what everything is wrong with the mandalorians and it, it's just and it's still bo has like bo we'll get into this later but she is just i think she is just insane like she just does not do anything differently in her time around um, this time around like oh let me reclaim the dark saber it's like the same storyline with her and it just feels so recycled and instead of being in that moment she told din was going to do something like, oh you we can't step in we can't either of us can't step in i'm like didn't you just complain about the mandalorians not you know there being a lot of animosity it's like you're the self-proclaimed leader like trying to be why don't you do something even when the mandalorians were getting gathering on navarro all together the armor was the one that spoke up. It was in Bo-Katan being like, this is, this, you know, I was just with these people. These are my people. We're all one people. She, it was the armor who had to speak up. And it's just so frustrating to see. And people are just like, ooh, action. Oh, my God. Imperial commandos. Oh, my God. Uh, Moff Gideon's back. Oh, my God. The, the Admiral yeah. Thrawn reference. And it's like, guys, there's a whole bunch of flaws in this. Which, if you just yeah. want to... Dig your hand head in the sand. Great, I'm with you there. Yeah, I've done that for a lot of Star Wars. It's like that, but it's just like let's not act like this is the most explosive episode of of the series, yeah. and it's all yeah. This people stuff. saying it's the best episode of the series. I'm like, have you watched The Believer? Have you watched The Rescue? Have you watched The Child? Have you not watched enough. The Sin? Like, there's I could just name so many episodes. Not enough. In my head. Not enough lore for them. Not enough yeah. action. People so, have really short term memory with some of this stuff as well. Yeah. So. All in all, 
I really like the episode. Best one of the season. Uh, I'm like, I can't wait to watch this because I watched it on my laptop twice. I cannot wait to watch this um, on the big screen at my house and just turn, you know, the surround system on and just go to town with it. I cannot wait. But yeah. but I'm just trying to be real here. It's it's great, yeah. but it's not. I'm not going to put the the you know the shades on the the beer goggles and and just you know act like it's something that's not. So yeah. anyways. <laughs> your thoughts yeah um i i mean i'm i'm pretty much on the same page of you where i thought the episode in in a in its own bubble and its own existence is is pretty good i thought it was fun i i mean in my personal opinion i think it's been extremely overhyped i don't think it's even close to the best episode of the series and i'm not even sure if it's the best episode of the season to be honest um but yeah it was great fun it was solid i i watched that and i thought that was pretty good um but yeah, I'm going to read what I tweeted out because I think this captures my thoughts in a nutshell. Chapter 23 was a fun episode on its own. Unfortunately, the lackluster setup we got left um, the uh, unfortunately the lackluster setup we got left the episode feeling unearned and had it fall flat for me as my emotional investment in the story and ca- characters is almost non-existent. <clears throat> the season as a whole still feels like a hot mess to me. Season three continues to feel like watching someone play with their Star Wars toys that can certainly be fun times. However, I prefer a bit more depth and substance in a story like we got in season one and two. And that's sort of adding on to what Mike was saying, where it's like, yeah, you can sit back, relax and have fun with that. Absolutely no issues with that. And there's sometimes I I do that. But for me, a story like Mandalorian, which has made me feel so many things, I sort of want it to either stay at that level or, or go even higher with it. And it's it's actually it's dropped down a great deal in terms of that emotional investment. Like like Mike said, I don't really care that the Din got captured because he's sort of been put to the put on the bench this um season. And I also didn't care that Paz Vizsla died. I was just like, great. I thought I thought it was it was well done, the whole thing, and him giving that final this is the way in terms of yeah, that is actually the way, sacrificing yourself for the greater good. That's a good rule to follow, not wearing your helmet every day. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was well-written, but because of everything that came before, I was just like, eh, I don't care. My investment's not there. Um, that's just that's just how it was for me. And, um, yeah, any, like, moment that tries to feel like a big moment where, like, yeah, this is happening, you know, like Paz dying, it just, there was a few little ones throughout the episode where I just, I didn't care. I really didn't care. But, but then, you know, there was some Star Wars things in there that I thought were cool. Like that opening 10 minutes, that was cool. Yeah, I like the little tease at Thorn and all that sort of thing. But that doesn't really make the episode good. You know, like um, it's like saying Rogue One is good because 3PO and R2 are in it. It's like, okay. Like, it's, right, you know right. what I mean? It's not, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's quite a valid argument. And I agree with what you said about the shortcuts. It just does feel like so many shortcuts have been taken to get here. It's like, it's like finishing a 10 kilometer race and it's like, great, you finished, but, oh, but I skipped eight kilometers of it. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess you finished, but you didn't really run the whole race. Right. Um, always nice to run the whole race, I suppose. So yeah, I, I, this, the episode hasn't changed my thoughts on the season at all. If, if anything, I think they've just validated how I feel about it because it does just still feel like a mess to me. Um, uh but yeah i there were things i like i really liked the grogu and ig12 thing i thought that was cute i loved the yes no buttons that was that was a really nice uh thing and a moment that i will admit actually did make me feel something was when grogu stopped uh paz and axe woves from fighting i thought oh, okay i i like that a lot that grogu is the one that steps in and says come on like that's enough like that that made me feel something i think um while i think grogu in some sense has been sidelined 
at times this season as well. Um, that moment did manage to to capture my uh, my interest, I suppose. But then, yeah, a, a few random thoughts. Like, um, I mean, there's a lot of talk about the armor online that she's a bit sus in terms of her allegiance, right. which I actually hope they do go down that path because a note that I wrote after the episode was the armor's decision to be okay with um, other Mandos taking their helmets off still doesn't make any sense. There was nothing in there to for for the arm as evidence to the armor to be like you know what actually it is okay for people to remove their helmet it literally just went from she felt that way and then she didn't there was nothing in between it just said both time remove, remove your helmet so that's what i have wrote, if, written down too yeah yeah if she does end up um uh being like betraying them or whatever i would actually like that because it would make that make sense to me because right now it makes zero sense um yeah i still can't believe we skipped that whole arc for gideon i thought that could have been so interesting um and, and seeing him escape that would have been a cool moment to get to and seeing how it played out instead of oh best guy best guy alloy and then realizing it was his special enforcers or whatever but yeah and then i mean i hate to say it but characters like gideon the armor they just feel so one-dimensional to me paz Vizsla, that there's it feels like there's a one-way streak with them and that's all it is. That's all they do. Moff Gideon just says the same lines every time he's on screen, it feels like. Yeah. You have something I want. Long live the Empire. Yada, yada, yada. We get it, man. I don't know. He's, he's not a very captivating villain to me. I'm, I'm excited for Thrawn to get into the mix. Um, but yeah, I guess all in all, like I said, it just validates how I feel that Mando Season 3 is just a watered-down version of what we got these previous two uh two seasons but and the episode was still fun yeah and the bar is so high um so it's True. it's very hard to um you know it's very hard to compare it's it's yeah you know it's maybe unfair but it's also like well you guys set the precedent it's it's kind of fair because the yeah. tweet that you tweeted out about the kids um or about the toys and stuff is is a discussion we had yesterday um yeah. and i'm just like I, it just feels like cool like no more dark troopers great I, we got like new like a new box of of soldiers where, and now they're gonna be like the imperial soldiers it's like great i've done this storyline yeah. as updated grogu so toy times. updated gideon toy exactly. Praetorian guards put those in there it's like oh. exactly it just feels like a storyline that i that i probably did when i was nine or ten you know with my own toys so and which is which is okay because star wars i don't want you know star wars doesn't have to be like andor i don't want it to be like andor all the time i would hate it if it was like andor all the time yeah, because i love my star wars goofiness i love my star wars animated like feel to i mean not just mm. i'm not talking about animation but i'm just talking about like just goofiness cartoony like yeah you know and we love we our fighter fights of the world we yeah and and you know i love i love when mando gets goofy and everything but it's just like like the frog lady episode in season two that's yeah. a great episode i will mm. defend the episode for my life that is a great oh, episode yeah. and i'm so yeah. glad we got it because it was just a we we're already going so fast in the season and it was just already it was just like a let's sit down and and chill for a bit and just have some good old star wars fun so and and to me this whole season has been jarringly just i don't want to say bad but just it just felt directionless and it still feels directionless where it's like, yes, this is the point we got to, but it's like where it's like getting, it's like doing, you know, as you guys would say, maths, 
but it's like doing like math and your math teacher coming up like how did you get the answer you didn't show any work here's the answer because you you cheated but it's like where's where's the work yeah, where's, ex- where's the <clears throat> that's ex- that's a, a great analogy so yeah. that's what it feels like to me i'm i'm the math teacher right now i'm like this is great you got the answer but where the hell is the work so yeah that's yeah. what i feel but but like i said i still had this episode like i said it's the great result it's it's it's, it's the solution but where's yeah. the work that's all yeah. i'll say before we dive in yeah absolutely i'm with you i think um i mean let, we're sort of diving into the episode now um <clears throat> let's talk about the title the spies because um, it doesn't really make any sense, but I think we're meant to think that we've got uh, the the woman at the start of the episode. We know she's a spy, but there's not two spies. So a lot of people are talking about, um, you know, the armorer definitely seems suspicious. Axe wives, it could be one of the Mandalorians. What's going on there? What, what do you think that title's about? Do you think we should be looking at a character? I'm looking at different characters because everybody was yeah. very sus in this episode. Um, <laughs> the armor, the Mando pirates. How the hell are you traversing on the surface of Mandalore and you don't see an arsenal being brought in and all these ships and hangars being built? How do you not see them and that, oh, we could lead you right to it? Yeah, exactly. And, and you're telling me you're very suspicious. You're on this sailboat and you don't see anything going on. Any, yeah. you, you said you've been there before and you don't see any movement being like, why are there Star Destroyers dropping off? Oh my gosh, we'll lead you right there. So to me, yeah, very suspicious. The armor, mm-hmm. you were talking about it. I yeah. wrote in my notes, the armor has been very insistent this entire season. What's the deal? As you were yeah. saying. She with, also with... disappears at a very convenient time. No, exactly. No, she was like, I'm telling you, insistent. She was like, yeah. or I should say persistent. She was like, oh, Bo-Katan was like, oh, we're, we should get ready to move by dawn or something. And the armor is like, oh, these guys are, these are guys are way too um, hurt. Um, I'm, I'll take them back. I'll take the, we'll make it to the gauntlet. And I'll take him back up to the fleet. And in the start of the episode, she's like, I'll go. And it's like, I thought she would, she never goes anywhere. So I'm like, why is she going all of a sudden? Yeah. And then she gets right out of the action, right in time. So in all season, she's been like, you know, Bo-Katan, come with us, join us. Perfect. Like not even giving a second thought. Even everybody else was confused. She, without a second thought, she brought him in there. Uh, She brought her in there. And then. And then, as you said, the whole helmet thing, take it off. It's like, what? So I'm very, if it's her, as you were saying, I was watching the episode today and I was like, I really hope it's her because it would clear a lot of confusion up. Yeah, definitely. And that would be something that they probably set up in a good way because we're all like, yeah, why did she just suddenly make change that decision? And then like, well, we've actually got an answer to that. That would be really refreshing. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And... Uh, no, yeah, because I guess to sort of theorize on why it could be that she would betray them, my instant thoughts are she kind of believes, oh, well, all of Mandalore, Mandalore has lost its way. Um, we're kind of depleted anyway. Um, I I prefer Mandalore not exist than people like Bo-Katan running around with the Darksaber and, and her helmet off. You know what I mean? So I can see maybe that's her justification of why she would assist the empire in almost wiping them out um and also that she just sort of has been set up as this sort of villain character for a while and i think in a pot on a podcast recently i was saying like i really thought she was but then my mind just changed because um jean came back and she was totally cool with it but maybe she was 
that was almost her breaking point. Jin going into the waters being like, oh, damn, he really found his way around that one. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. done with this thing. You know what I mean? So I don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah. I don't know. She's been she's been sketchy to me. I really liked her in season one. But then uh, did we even see her in season two? No. Not until no, right? Boba. Not yeah. so in Book of Boba, she was very sketch. Um, where she just let Paz and and Din duke it out for the dark saber, and she was just watching. I mean, it's part of the culture, but I'm like, she is just sketch. And and then she asked, like, "Have you ever removed your helmet?" I have. Then you are no longer Mandalorian. It's like, yeah. what? Like she just turned on him so quick. So I'm, yeah. I'm very, very curious to see how it all plays out with her because, like I said, if she turns out to be the villain, I would so like believe it. I would be like, "Yep, this has made sense from the start." She's a she's a cultist and all that, and and she. I mean, I don't as per her motivations, I don't know what they would be to turn to Gideon, but I could definitely see it. Where, I mean, she was separated from the rest of Mandalore for all these years, and it's like. Din was trying to bring everyone together with Bo-Katan and, and Bo-Katan and her clan. And she's just like, let's eliminate them. Maybe she wanted like a truce, like you eliminate Bo-Katan, Kreese and her people and you, you save us, you spare us. Because it was, it was Bo-Katan's castle that got bombed, not, not the culvert of, of the armor, you know? So we'll see. No, exactly right. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about that first 10 minutes because that was our reintroduction to Gideon. He's suddenly escaped and he's having a meeting with the the Council of the Imperials, I'll just call it. I know they had a name for it in the episode. But, Shadow um, Council. That's the one. Um, we see Hux's dad was in there. We see Captain Pelion from who is um, obviously closely aligned to Thrawn, which they talk about. I don't remember any other familiar faces, but... This was a cool scene. I think it was a little bit, my enjoyment was tinted a bit just the whole time thinking, oh man, we really did skip that whole Gideon arc. But the scene in itself was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. Um, I liked, yeah, I liked that Thrawn was getting, is sort of getting set up. Obviously it doesn't make the episode great or anything, but I was like, okay. I, I, so we sort of talked about this yesterday. It's like, I, I don't want him to be mentioned all the time. Just like, oh, Thrawn's coming, Thrawn's coming. Because it, it gets a little old and we know he's coming. So it's not like they need to set it up anyway. Right. Um, but this was the best way they've done it, in my opinion. Um, because we actually, we learned a lot um, that was, and they executed us learning that in a great way. I thought it was a very cool scene to watch. So I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, although that probe droid on Coruscant, I was like, man, gee, that is just not subtle at all, but but okay. Um, anyway, what did you think of the opening sequence? Yeah, the opening sequence was great. I um, it felt like a like a a because the Shadow Council is actually from the Aftermath trilogy. I found out, mm. I, which I I was like, this feels familiar. But the only thing I was missing was Ray Sloan, Grand Admiral Ray Sloan. And right. in the book, she has like a scene just like kind of Moff Gideon. In the book, she has a scene like uh, Moff Gideon. But, um, and I think we got like a, like little hints towards that during the squadron game, if I remember correctly. I don't know. But, anyways, um, yeah, that was really cool to see. Like, it was just, it was, yeah, it, it was, it just expanded our view. Cause I was telling this to a friend today. I was very frustrated with season one of Mandalorian because I didn't like, uh, when I when 2019 rolled around, I had like read almost all the books, read all the, almost all the comics, 
caught up on my Star Wars lore. Like, I was a canon junkie. I was caught up with everything. And the Mandalorian timeline was not making sense for me. I'm like, the Battle of Jakku happens. The Empire is supposed to be wiped out or or a truce, a treaty was signed. What is going on? What's Why are there still stormtroopers? Why are there still, um, you know, this and that going on? When I'm like, I feel like at this point in time, I'm like, where does this even take place? Because it took forever to hear John Favreau say it takes place like five. Because he said it takes place like five, maybe. He said five years after the Battle of Yavin. And it's like, so a year, like, it just didn't make sense. And and people were like, I think he meant a year after, or five years after the Battle of Endor is what he meant. So he misspoke. <laughs> so, um, so anyways, like, I was just very upset with season one, like, lore-wise, because I was like, I was frustrated. I'm like, wait, the Mandalorians, like, what happened to them? Like, we last saw them in Rebels. They were fine. Like, what's going on? Like, it just felt like, even it felt like I was watching a whole new universe. So it was frustrating at times. However, seeing the full picture as we've seen, you know, even Book of Boba Fett, I'll, I'll give it whatever flack. But I really like that it expanded the view of, of Mandalore and we saw the vision, I mean, like the flashbacks and everything. And that was super nice. That was cool. Um, so anyways, this here, um, answers a lot of questions that we had about like Moff, like first we meet the client in season one and we're like, who is he working for? And then Moff Gideon was introduced in the penultimate episode of the season. And then after that, you know, then we get, you know, season two, it's like we're Grand Admiral Thrawn's out there lurking. Um, and then now season three, seeing the shadow council before our eyes was very damn cool. Cause it connected the sequel trilogy um a bit to to all this so the only thing i needed was ray sloan uh up in there who was introducing a new dawn and then she was in all the comics and stuff and then made her way into the aftermath trilogy that's the only one that i i really wanted but no i thought it was a cool scene it was very mall um on mandalore talking to the shadow collective boss and all that dryden boss and and the black sun and the pikes like it just it just reminded me of that but you know, it just gave us uh, it gave us a clue to what's going on here, and it really sets the stage for Thrawn's return. Um, and funny enough, that day the episode came out, I had just started reading *Hair to the Empire* because I'm like, I need to read this trilogy finally. Um, you know, it's like it, it's such a made a, such a big deal because it's the first book um, that happens right after *Return of the Jedi*. So it's like, you know, the first one ever written. So I'm like, I gotta read this, and I'm a, I'm a big Thrawn fan too. And immediately the first chapter, um, it's Captain Pallion talking about Thrawn and Battle of Endor could have ended so differently if Thrawn was there. And then in that scene, uh, he's talking about like the galaxy would be so different if Thrawn was here. And then Moff Gideon's like, you know, you keep talking about Thrawn, but where is he? And I was like, oh, he's going to show up right now. But it was just cool because I had just started reading Hair to the Empire and got introduced to Pallion. And then literally he he made his live action debut and I was like, that is just crazy. Or even his debut in general, because he was just mentioned mm. before. But I was like, yeah. damn, that that so I really ate the scene up. Um, and I love that Gideon. I mean, sure, like he can be very um like one beat and whatever, say the same things. But yeah. here I, I was like, the thing that I loved about him was he was like he was stating all his flaws, but stating everything that he needed and wanted. And they were just like, Okay, cool, you'll get it. You know, they were kind of making fun of him for a second, but then he they gave it to him. He was like, you know, Dr. Pershing, he's no longer in my in my hands, but 
he soon will be or something like that. And then he stated everything he needed. It was, it was, it reminded me of Joker from the dark Knight presenting to the mob and they all laughing to him. Ari hasn't seen the movie in a long time, but everyone else knows what I'm talking about. So anyways, very cool opening. Um, set the stage for the episode. Um, and yeah, just, I just ate that scene up. Yeah, but you're right. What does, what with, with Thrawn, I'm kind of scared about his comeback because it's like, what is he doing out there? I'm, I'm sure Dave Filoni, you know, he's the one that wrote Rebels and everything and yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and set that thing up. I'm like, wh- where's Thrawn? Where's Ezra? Like, how does this make sense? We'll see. Yeah. But I do like that, that they're kind of taking shape the way the Herod of the Empire trilogy went, at least with the Thrawn story. It's like, yeah, oh, he's, he's the big bad guy. Herod to the Empire takes place five years after Battle of Endor, and so does this story. So I'm just like... I could see some of the parallels. Um, yeah. So very interesting. No, it's, it's nice that we're getting that air to the empire, like live action story being told. Cause that is, I know it's not that story, but a, at least an adaptation of it um, is cool for, you know, those fans that have been with that story since, since it came out, right. uh, which is not me, but uh, yeah, no, the opening scene was, was good. Let's talk about IG 12. I'm curious what your thoughts. Are. I sort of already said what I thought. I thought it was, it was nice. It was cute does feel like sort of just another Grogu action figure for them to sell, but it actually served the story quite well in this episode. Um, so yeah, I like it. And it, and I'm, I'm glad Grogu can't like speak fluently through IG, uh, IG 12. I'm glad that it's just, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And they used it well for comedy. And then they used it um, well in, in a serious moment when he's separating the two and just spamming the no button. Um, so yeah, I really liked it. What do you think? No, I, I remember turning to you on the phone and just laughing because i absolutely hate it up i was like this yeah. feels like like you know we can sit here and be like oh grogu oh my god I'm so tired of grogu but he, yeah him and din are what made seasons one and two special exactly that's 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 the secret formula to to the series that's what made it special so when we got that i was like finally i was like i was dying for one of these scenes even though i was very scared in season two i'm like please don't don't overdo grogu now that he's popular but you know, it's like do it. Like I absolutely loved um that moment. Um and 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 you know, yesterday I I'd made that point to you where when he when uh he stops Axe and Paz from fighting, I'm like, yes, finally there's some something there his character got to shine, not just for a funny moment, but he got to shine in that moment. It's like, yes, you know. Um but anyways, the the first the first thing here. The, the yes no thing was hilarious and then when they were just walking around it was just like no no, no. it was just so funny and i know taika watiti probably had a great time in studio or just even on a phone just being like all right do yes yes do no no all right thanks taika talk to you soon hope could have fun working on your film you know it's like i'm sure that was a fun conversation but for a um, second i thought you were like being serious like oh i'm sure you had a great time in the studio recording yes and now i'm like <laughs> Man, you know he had two lines. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, hey, two lines. You know, I'm I, you obviously know. they maybe he it did from, have fun in the studio. <laughs> you never know. Um, but but yeah, it was it was just I, I ate that up, and I loved the whole fruit stand thing where he was like, or the stand thing where he was getting food and didn't have to pay for it. Like that was just that yeah. was good old. That was good old. And we love the May Luron shout out as well. Oh, we we do. We I, every time that fruit comes up, I'm like, yep, all fruit, all for fruit. Valid. So. And people still call that episode filler, man. I'm oh, you, man. Come I, on now. 
character development right in your face the in the most kitty way and still people couldn't get it that's insane to me yeah you know who we're, you know who you are if we're talking to anyway yeah. um but yeah no i just i was ig12 was cool what do you think of the mandalorian sort of all uniting obviously there was a bit of tension um but i i thought this was cool i quite liked the shot of i think it was like a a wide shot of the non-helmets and the helmets sort of walking into yeah. into one i thought that was it that was just a cool piece of cinematography um yeah i vibed with it how'd you feel you know I, same way and this was another payoff that i'm like in season one i was just so frustrated i'm like what's this world that they can't take their helmets off i mean yeah. obviously they're not retconning anything because there's boba fett jangle fan we've seen their faces hundreds of times so i'm like what's going on um yeah. so this was nice to like finally get those two in the room together um and and I absolutely love when Bo-Katan was telling us the state of Mandalore uh, because it was just like, yeah, like tell it to, to the audience because we're confused because there's no empire there, at least what we knew. There's no empire there. There's no enemies. But she was just like, yeah, the, it's become a barren wasteland. There's there's people, migrants who have moved there, um, it, you know, or the explosions have woken up animals, creatures, and we have to fight them. So it was like. Okay, cool. She had a plan and everything, but I thought this um, unification was um, really. I thought it was really cool. Like, I, it, like I said, it was the blending of two worlds, and it looked very tense for a second. But like I said, I wish Bo-Katan was the one to say like, "People of Mandalore." But it, it yeah, had no, to be it was weird that it had to be the armor. Yeah, yeah. I was just like Bo-Katan. You, the armor has never been with these people. You have been with both. You've yeah. lived, and with the both. armor is the one that said. You, she will be a bridge for all Mandalorians exactly. or something like that. Yeah. So I'm very, I was very like, Bo-Katan, what are you doing? So mm. I don't know. Um, But besides that, like it was just visually, it was cool. And see, seeing the ships come in over Navarro was so damn cool, especially after like the citizens were like, oh, is this another pirate attack? And it was just like, no, it was, it was just cool scene. But it's like, this is the, you know, again, this is a family show. So you're just going to get everything in your face. But when the droid was talking to Grief Cargo, being like, oh. Magistrate, hi, Magistrate. And ex- and Grief Cargo, no, that is, you know, that's a captured Imperial ship. That is not a Star Destroyer. That's a light cruiser. <laughs> Look at the symbol that has under. It's it's captured and liberated. It's like, yeah, we, thank you for explaining it to us. We yeah. know. We know. You know. It's Another just, character it has to... that's pretty one-dimensional to me. Everything Mando! Oh, he has like five lines and that's about it. Everything oh, the has little to be guy, the little green guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I Navarro this season, I thought I would really love, but I'm just like, why are we here? I just, oh, yeah. Navarro has always felt like home uh, in, in the sense that like in Rebels, when we'll go back to Lothal, I was like, oh, even if, 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 when it was in this disa- disastrous state, it was just like, feels like we're home. And that's what Navarro yeah. has kind of felt like me when felt like to me when we went back in season two, I was like, yeah, we're back in Navarro, you know, yeah. and, and season three has just not communicated all that well for me that. So yeah. absolutely. You know. Yeah. Um, moving on to a, a part of the episode, which I, I really, really liked. It was a moment between Din and Bo-Katan. They were yes. talking on that pirate ship thing. And, and I, I don't know exactly what was said, but it, it was something along the lines of, you know, what makes you so such a great leader to me is that, you know, loyalty, uh, all, all, and he lists all these 
traits that are like, yes, those are good traits for a person to have. Um, and it's almost as if those traits, yeah, that is the way, this is the way, the way you're leading, this is the way. Wearing your helmet, that's not the way. I mean, it can be, but like, that's not what's important to the to the Mandalorian religion. So I thought that was great. And I was, I was thinking in my head, I was like, uh, a scene that would be so cool in in the finale i don't know if they'll do this but something along the lines of the armor says the armor betrays them and then din comes in being like well that was the crazy cult lady that made us all wear our helmets like and saying loyalty um compassion all this stuff this is the way and then he takes his helmet off or something like that you know what i mean as if to say this is what's important and this is what's not important. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, or like the way, even the the way the helmetless Mandalorians follow the Darksaber rule. That's not important. That's not what makes being a Mandalorian important. You know, what makes being a Mandalorian important is sacrifice, loyalty, all, all the stuff that he talks about. Um, so I thought that was a really powerful moment. Yet, once again, it was something that fell a little flat for me just because of everything that's come before. And also it's like, I think it's leading up to this, but the fact that he's saying all that while still wearing his helmet feels a little ironic. You know what I mean? But I do think it's leading up to a moment like I described. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, no, I, I think he was talking about, you know, all the, I guess, just the worst moment or, you know, he can he could kind of start to see about little, about the flaws of the cult he's in and stuff. So I felt like that was like a, a moment that it was just refreshing to see, I guess, just because it, yeah. it seems like we're never going to almost seems like we're never going to see Din remove his helmet at this point, but it was like a step in the right direction. And, and yeah. Bo-Katan even was like kind of stunned that, and, and he like fully submitted. He was like, I follow you uh, lady, lady crease or something. And I was like, it just gave me chills. I was like, Oh, that is, it reminded me of Sabine and rebels being like, I stumbled upon this dark saber to give to you um you know and it's like you you're the one that'll lead us and it was just like full submission and and Bogotan being like noticing the weight of the of what she was carrying and being like i carry this for for all my clans and all my people and whatnot and it's just this season has been interesting to say the least uh to see her struggle yeah. uh with you know getting that power back um or just in the recent episodes because i mean she just got the last episode of the dark saber but it's been kind of cool this episode just seeing her like take a step back and just like watching like you know it's a bit frustrating because i said it's just insane at this point because she just yeah. is not stepping in 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 places she should be but it's just like yeah i i i think she be like okay in rebels i was very scared that sabine was gonna end up with the dark saber when obviously she should go to bo-katan you know I was very scared about that. I was like, oh, like I hope they don't give it to Sabine just because she's like the main character, one of the main characters here. I hope it goes to Bogdan. Rebels respected that. Mandalorian, I was like, we spend so much time with Din where I'm like, it would almost make sense. And also because of Bogdan's past failures, that it would be with the Darksaber would end up with Din and he would be the one to unite because he had already taken off his helmet and everything. And I was like, this makes the most sense. Um, and even when he was saying about a Grogu, he didn't care. He took off his helmet for Grogu. And so I'm like, he could be the one that unites Mandalore. But it's like, we give it back to the person who has failed Mandalore. And as we learned in the next couple of scenes, that she submitted to Moff Gideon and surrendered. Yeah. And and we learned, so she's just been on this arc where Bo loses Mandalore to Maul. Bo loses Mandalore to the Empire. Bo loses the Ma- Mandalore to Gideon. 
Bo loses, um, just it's just like she's she's been on a losing streak, bro. She's been on a losing streak, and we keep giving her the opportunity. It's like this is insane for all of you guys. I understand her her royal ties, but this is this is starting to be insane. Like this is you guys are we're not gonna get a different result here, I don't think. So yeah. every time we meet her, she's just lost the dark saber and we get confirmation here that she lost it to Gideon. Like she surrendered and everything. Cause in season two, yeah. I'm like, oh, they fought and everything. And he defeated her. No, he's she surrendered. I mean for the betterment of her people, but she surrendered and it's like, why do we I don't know. So this scene to me was was very appreciative because it, it kind of it was nice to dig in finally into what Din was thinking and spending some yeah. time with Din. Exactly. Because now, now now we know. Yeah. Exactly. And and honestly, sorry to interject, but honestly, while yeah. we're on it, I hope they destroy the Darksaber. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because I think <laughs> that the helmet rule, I, I hope they look Skywalker and throw it over the edge, but this time it goes into the water and, and it's lost forever. Because um shout out to my last Jedi haters. Anyway, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. Oh, I, no. I love Last Jedi. Um uh Anyway, I hope it gets a similar treatment because, by the way, I actually do love The Last Jedi. I just I feel like people are going to turn on me for that. Um, uh, yeah, because so the helmets—that's what the the cults or the the armors group is. Oh, they're all about that, right? The helmet rule—that is what makes you a Mandalorian. Um, and then the the helmetless Mandalorians are very much like, look at them following these ridiculous rules. But oh no, but you can't have the dark saber because you didn't admit defeat. And it's like, like all the, it's like, well, you have ridiculous rules as well. And I would love if I don't know, maybe this is more of a series finale thing than a season finale. But if all the Mandalorians could unite to say, this is what it means to be a Mandalorian, the things that Din was talking about, and we don't need like I guess the dark saber. Yeah, it's a it's a sign of of leadership or whatever, but but why does the sign of leadership need to be a weapon as well? I know uh, being having weapons is part of my religion, and we've heard that yeah. line a million times. But um, I don't think it has to be. I think we, we when it comes down to it, we know what being a Mandalorian is about. It's about honor. It's about loyalty. All this stuff. And I'd love if the characters would unify in that and say the same way that the they're all going to take their helmets off. I hope um, is the same way we can get rid of the dark side. But I, I, I think dark side is been an awesome thing in star wars but i think it served its purpose and i i think that would be very powerful to straight up get rid of it because there has been so much talk about or not so much there's been a decent amount of talk about it this season about what it means to have the dark saber and all this stuff and to say you know what that's actually not what matters right now throw it over the edge right right 100 100 because like i said i'm it's it just it's all redundant to me at this point like rebels um but it was so cool to see Bo-Katan back and and get this like more sad Bo-Katan than we last seen her in the Lawless of of Clone Wars mm-hmm. and and then we got to go back to um and, and it just felt like a new start. Did I expect her to keep the Empire off Mandalore? No, but it's it just then we meet her again in Mandalore and it just feels like it's the same place we found her in Rebels. You know, it's like yeah, what are what, yeah exactly what are we doing? So uh, and then Running still around in circles. And then she fell down again when she lost the dark saber uh, to to Din, really, because she's not the one that gets got to fight him. And then her team left her, and she just she was just like, "I'm done fighting." And it's just like she's just been on the downfall. And not to say like you know, on your fifth try, you can't get it right, but it's like you struck out for me. Like I'm just like I love yeah. Bo Katan, as as you can tell. Yeah, you know, that was look, look from Hasbro, but. Him. 
but damn, like I'm just like, as a people here, why do we keep putting her our faith into her? Like, even if it was the armor, it's like, yeah, let's let's support her. Maybe you know, it, very flawed character. But I'm like, let's support someone new. It would be less insane to keep supporting the character that keeps failing everybody. So, just my yeah. take. Don't get mad at no. me. Good take. Um, let's let's finish off here by talking about the the ending of the episode. So, obviously, Din gets captured. The implications of that will be quite interesting. Paz Vizsla dies, and look, I might get hate for this, but honestly, thank God that 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 character never struck me ever. Just I'm gonna be honest. He 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 never made any sense to me. He would change his mind every two seconds, and hmm. we got no power for that because he's dead now. At least I hope so. Um, but I thought I never connected with that character, and I thought he was real goofy and not in a fun Star Wars way, in a just you goofy <laughs> type way. So. Uh, but I thought they did him well. He, he went out um, in, in a blaze of glory and went out the hero. And and the way he said, this is the way, that was powerful. He wasn't saying, this is the way to wearing his helmet. He was saying, this is the way, sacrificing my life for the greater good. I like that a lot. So, um, yeah, glad to see he's gone. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the Praetorian Guards, of course, uh, that was super cool to see. There was sort of a blend between the Royal Guards and the Praetorians we see in Last Jedi. Once again, shout out Last Jedi. But, um yeah, damn, you I, uh, are a Last Jedi lover. I did not know this. <laughs> I'm not a Last Jedi lover, but I definitely don't hate it. It's very overhated. I'll um, watch it with you in person one day. We'll do that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, but yeah, anyway, so to close out the episode, I thought it was good. I there's a decent amount of intrigue going into next week, but um, overall, I say it just hasn't struck me the way you know you brought up last night. Remember how we felt when at the end of episode seven of season one, where quill is um uh, we see him dead and it's like wow i need to watch the next episode you know what i mean whereas i did not get this feeling from that episode at all while there is some interest there i i'm excited in some sense to watch it but uh yeah the ending was cool what do you think i mean even the ending of of the believer when mandal's hologram comes up he's like moff gideon oh so good what happens next so good when I was watching it with my parents, they're like, "Oh, like we want to watch this. Uh, like, what's yeah. like? Let's watch the finale right now." I'm like, "It's it's, yeah. a, it's an hour. Like, let's watch it right now." Yeah. Um, but anyways, you could the, you could uh, aim so many uh, penultimate episodes like that. Most fires where rebels go to die. Um, oh, so good. Like uh, the Ahsoka and Ezra season two. Just so, so I guess stuff like that. I guess there was the Praetorian Guard here at this moment when they killed Paz. That's like. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. It's like, how many times are we going to see weapons that pierce Beskar armor? We've seen it in Rebels, um, which was very unique. I, I love the that walker that that can that can just you know uh, turn Mandalorians yeah. into ash. They could have revived that yeah. and made it interesting, but it's like, okay, great. We got the Praetorians up in there. Awesome. Anyways, um, the ending was cool. Um, Paz, I was like, yeah eat dirt because this character has been so annoying this season so annoying mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I, I like them more as a background character i i the only time i liked them mm-hmm. was in episode three of season one where he where he just he's flying he goes to then like he yeah. gives him the salute and then he yeah. keeps flying and it just looks like rocketeer disney's rocketeer movie and i just that was such a cool reference but Agreed. other than that other than looking like a cool action figure in someone's collection I never gave one f about him, and other and you think they would have done something interesting because his last name was Vizla, but it's like, you know, even an interesting conversation with him and Bell could have been had. It's like, no, no one cares, unfortunately. 
No one cares, but Thrawn's coming soon. Yeah. Forget everything else. Um, yeah. So, but the ending was a bit frustrating. I mean, the ending was very cool in action sequences, but Bo-Katan was pounding on the glass like, no, no. When it's like, hello, you have the dark saber, you can cut through. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, but we're gonna no, no. It was very. It's like I don't know if they could have cut through the blast doors, but even try. She cut, try. She cut through the blast doors at the end. To escape. That was. Are you sure that the blast door at the back? That was a blast door. Yeah. It, yeah. Right. It, well, sh- it shut them in. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're right. Oh yeah. No. Absolutely. You're 100 right. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> um. But anyways. Um. Yeah. So anyways, the the ending was a bit silly to me, and Paz did not need to sacrifice himself because they were all away. He just didn't have to sacrifice himself, but. Whatever. I mean, just we needed a way to show the Praetorian guards without revealing them to everybody else. So, but yeah. but it was but the the moment that Moff Gideon walked out with the horn helmet, I was like, great, an updated Black Series figure in my collection. Cool. But <laughs> there was one thing that he said that was very interesting. He said that he was aggregating the best of each uh, the, of the Jedi, the cloners, and Mandos to create an an army like the galaxy has never seen. Yeah. So is that so now we get some direction why they want the Grogu. Um why would they want Grogu? Maybe they want the midi chlorians yeah, or whatever. That makes sense. And then the Jedi, that makes sense. Yeah. And then at the beginning of the episode we seen him walking against clone tanks and then you know the cloners and Mando. So yeah, it it's very scary to see where he's going. He's a visionary. I love I love Moff Gideon. As one dimensional as he can be. Visionary. Oh my god. Yeah, I forgot about that line. But Moff Gideon is a visionary. Anyways, um, before I wrap up here, I just want to say nice to get confirmation that the children of the watch is a splinter faction of um Death Watch. Very mm. cool to finally get that confirmation. Mm. Um the fleet amassing to Manlore was totally the Clone Wars siege of Manlore vibes. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that I I think that's about it in my notes. Um, yeah. Other than that, uh, I'm ready for a rating to give this episode. Yeah, let's do it. You go first. No, you go first. <laughs> I was saying you go first. So I could think, but I'll do it now. Um, okay, I have mine. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say oh, it's so hard to rank. I'm gonna give two rankings though. The episode by itself is a. I'll be generous. It's an eight by itself. Um, in the context of the season, it's probably a uh, six and a half, six. I don't know. So maybe I'll just say the episode's a seven. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I think I, I the score I have here written down is 8.5, and I'll stick to that. Wow, very generous today. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> No, sure, but... I'll, I'll cop the hate for that. Um, yeah, very nice. Well, well, that does just about wrap us up. Uh, thank, thanks for tuning in, as always, guys. Um, a few, a few things. Um, we're really trying to get to a thousand subs on YouTube. So if you, if you're someone that listens to the podcast, please subscribe. Please do so. We're also Mike and I are meeting very soon, and we have a goal. We want to get uh, to 500 followers on Instagram by then. We're about 60 away. So if you're not uh, following the SW Exchange on Instagram down here 
do so. Uh, we'd really, really, really appreciate it. Also, make sure you give us a five-star rating on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, write a re- review if you enjoy the show. Uh, we really appreciate that. Mike, where can the people find you until next week? All underscore Star Wars. And next week, we have quite the show for you guys. It's confirmed. Talk to him today. Parks is coming back. Our mm-hmm. tour for the finale, as we like to keep That's tradition. Probably. And we'll probably do a live stream for that. Um, yeah. So everyone can join us and everything. So join us next week. If you want to be live in the chat and yell at us about our opinions, you can do so. Uh, but you guys have and you to follow can get it. updates on that live stream. At exactly. Exchange. Exactly. Right. Follow that page for, for time updates and everything. So follow me there. And also I'm on Twitter. If you want to see me yell at this guy too, like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you can find me at star Wars underscore exchange. If you want to yell at me in my comment section or on Twitter, at the exchange. Yeah. Yep. I'm uh, you know, a lot of mid takes on the hate train apparently so uh, let's go <laughs> shout out shout out mando <laughs> see you all next week for the live stream Bye adios yes. may the force be with you